We're going to talk about getting a big win and having some big losses. And, and probably the, the best way I could illustrate this is financially because uh, we don't all understand sports or we don't all understand things that ha- happen in academia, but everybody in here understands money. Back uh, in 2006, there were eight people who worked at a meat processing plant who went, went together and bought a lottery ticket. They won $365 million they won. By the way, none of them tied to this church, to my knowledge. But you split that up between eight people, and you were at about $45.5 million. Now, if I ever win the lottery, it will be a miracle because I've never played the lottery. But you know what? Uh, that's, a, that's a financial win, at, at that kind of money. The flip side of that, I remember many years ago when I began to try to build up my retirement, and a guy, I guess he was telling me a warning story of, of a guy he worked with who in one day he was playing the stock market and he lost $100,000 in one day in the stock market. And I've never forgotten that. So I've always tried to keep my retirement at about $90,000. So, you know, I'll never have to worry about losing the 100000 But, you know, for most of us, that would be a, that'd be a big, 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 big loss. Judges chapter 11, verse 29 through 40. Folks, this is a bizarre story to say the least. I've never heard it preached. I've never heard it taught. I have never preached it. So what's coming out of my mouth is original and pure May not be very good, but it's original and pure. And I don't know if you've heard it before either. But I want to begin with this. I want to begin with the, the, the win part of it. Victory comes when we do life God's way. How do we get victory in life? How do we get victory as a church? How do we get victory as a family and in your marriage? Victory comes very simply when we do life God's way. We're looking at the guy Jephthah that we looked at last week. Jephthah, if you remember, his mother was a prostitute. He was basically ran off by his brothers. When Israel got in trouble, they went and found him and asked him to be the judge, the deliverer, the leader. He was the 11th judge at this time of Israel. He was a contemporary of Samson. Samson was doing all his crazy strengths of feet and all that in the southern part of Israel while Jephthah was in the north part of Israel. The first thing we see here is victory. And how do we get, how do we do life God's way? I want to give you a couple of principles. Number one is this, get under and stay under God. Get your life, get your family, get your business, get your church, get it under God. In verse 29 of this story, it says, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, and he passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Ammonites. Okay, when it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, it means God got all over him in spirit. He was above him, he was upon him, he was over him. And and if you're not a Christian tonight, we want you to give your life to Jesus. And when you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you. Romans 8, 9 says, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Christ. So every Christian has the spirit. But as a Christian, we must constantly stay filled with the spirit. And to be filled by the spirit is to be controlled by the spirit. It's not rocket science. It's not mystical. It's just getting your life under God's. Being under God's. And when you're under God's, that's when you'll be filled with the spirit. Verse 32 and 33, look what happens. 
Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites. And the Lord gave them into his hands. You see who gave them the victory? The Lord gave them into his hands. He devastated 20 towns from Aror to the vicinity of Mineth and as far as Abel Karaman. Thus Israel subdued Ammon. He, listen, man, he had tremendous victory as, as he was moving in the power of God. As his life was under the control of God. Man, you want victory? Get yourself under God. So, well, my marriage and my family, what do I need? Get it under God. So many churches are just floundering. You know why? They're a church, but they're not under God. Get under God. John 15, 5. This is a verse you've got to learn. I am the vine. Read this with me. I am the vine. If a man... and. I, Apart from me, you can do some. Apart from me, you can do a little. No. No. (laughs) Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can have a lot of motion. You can have a lot of commotion. But you can't have spirit-empowered things happen apart from God. Stuart Briscoe is a pastor, American pastor, pastored in Wisconsin for years. He was in Poland after the fall of communism. And he was preaching in a church. These people had not heard the gospel. Many of them, or they hadn't heard it very much. And he was preaching out of that John 15 about remaining in Christ, abiding in Christ, being under Christ. In the middle of the sermon, the lights went out. It was a place with no windows. It was the middle of the night. And it was completely dark. He said the interpreter told him, just keep preaching. (laughs) So he said, for 20 minutes, I just kept on. He said, I was the, the, God was speaking to me because I couldn't see my notes or anything. He said, when when, when the 20 minutes was up and the electricity came back on, every person in that sanctuary were on their knees. Well, he went ahead and he finished preaching his sermon. He left, and when he left, they were still on his knees. And about three hours later, when he met the interpreter, the interpreter said the service just ended. And he said the people were on their knees the next three hours. He said, what were they doing? He said, they'd never heard this concept about God's the vine and where the branches be under him, remain in him. And that's where the power is. He said they wanted to get on their knees and make sure they got themselves under God. Amen. Isn't that good? Get under God. Listen, victory comes, number one, when we get under God. Now, here's the second part of this. You've got to do your part. You have to do your part. You want God to fill you. You want God to control you and empower you. But don't continue to eat 10,000 calories a day and hang laundry on your treadmill and pray for God to help you lose weight. Right? I'm, listen, if that worked, I would weigh 130. It doesn't. I have tested that theory. It doesn't work. Verse 32, it says, Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites. He had to get up and go to battle. We have to do our part. You get under God, you do your best. You get under God, you do your part. You study, you do your homework. You don't pray that you make an A on the test. Only you pray and you study, right? You go, well, I wish things were better at my business. Well, pray and work hard. You say, I wish things were better in my life. Do your part. Do your part. In the Revolutionary War, I don't remember who it was, one of our great leaders, Christian Mann, said this, you pray and keep your powder dry. Now, that was when they used muskets and that was gunpowder. He said, you pray like mad and you be prepared. You have your, your, your weaponry wet, ready for battle. Do your part. Now, here's the third part of this. Man, this is, this is good, too. You don't have to try to manipulate things. Don't we do this? Man, I'm going to get under God. I'm going to let God control me. I'm going to do my part. But man, I'm just not sure God's going to do it right. 
So I got to twist it. Amen? How many of you struggle with this? And, and maybe not manipulate. I don't necessarily in an evil way, but God just moves. How many of you agree God moves too slow for us? I mean, I wanted it to happen today. Right? I, you know, I, I wanted it to happen. But, but you don't have to. See, Jephthah gets in tremendous trouble when he starts manipulating. In verse 32 Excuse me, let me backtrack. I've lost my thoughts. Verse 30 and 31 here, it says, And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He didn't have to do this. If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of my door of my house to meet me when I return and triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. He didn't have to do this. This is part vow, part bargain. God... If you will do this, I will never miss church again. Some of you have made that vow and you've missed three weeks later. Amen? He didn't have to do this. The Spirit of God was already upon him. He was in God's will. He knew what God wanted him to do. You know, my first churches were small churches. And occasionally when you had a big business meeting, and if you... Perry and, and Andy can attest to that. A big business meeting in a small church can be purchasing a new lawnmower. I mean, that's $300, and when the budget's 30000 a year, you're going to fight. You're going you're gonna to spend six months finding the best deal on the lawnmower. By that time, you've lost six kids in the grass, never to be found again. And, and sometimes when you get ready to have a big vote, people would show up who you haven't, hadn't been to church in 10 years, but they were on the roads because people were trying to twist it a little bit. You don't have to manipulate things when you're under God. Isn't that great? Y'all, you believe that? You don't have to. Victory comes when we get under God and we do our best. You don't have to manipulate it. Now, now, now. Well, let me give you a good quote. This is a great quote. And Je- Jephthah was so on target at this point. He was giving God the credit. The victory came from the Lord. You may have heard this. Julius Caesar, once he had a great victory... And Julius Caesar made this comment, I came, I saw, I conquered. You heard that before? There was another uh, leader you probably have not heard of. It was John III of Poland. And in 1683, he led his Polish troops to help save really part of Europe from the advancing Turkish armies. And I think it was a play and kind of a slam on Caesar. He said this, I, saw, I came, I saw and God conquered. Isn't that good? You see, that's, that's how, when we're under God's control, we, come, we do our part, and then God gets the victory. God gets the glory. Okay? Now, here's the bad part of the sermon tonight. The failure comes when we don't do things God's way. Hey, listen, this is as inevitable as anything there is. Failure's going to come when we don't do things God's way. Now, how many of you have your seatbelts on? Because the weirdness of the Bible is fixing to hit you full throttle right here. Okay, let's go back to verse 31. Whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. I don't know if he was mad at his wife. What in the world is he thinking? Okay, verse 34 through 40. When Jephthah returned to his house in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of tambourines? She was an only child except for her. For her, her there was neither son nor a daughter. Tambourine, it was probably not like you think of one with rattles, but 
uh, a circular uh, a circular piece of wood with leather strapped over it, and they would beat it more like we would a drum. Verse 35, when he saw her, he tore his clothes, that's a anguish, and cried, oh, my daughter, you have made me miserable and wretched because I made a vow to the Lord. I cannot break. This girl is unbelievable. My father, she replied, you've given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you have promised. Now that the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the Ammonites. But grant me this one request, she said. Give me two months to roam the hills and to weep with my friends because I will never marry. You may go, he said. And he let her go. I don't know about you. When he let me go, I would have ran like a stuck pig. She and the girls went to the hills and they wept because she would never marry. And after two months, she returned to her father and he did to her as he had vowed. And she was a virgin. And from this comes the Israelite custom that each, of, each year the young women of Israel go out for four days to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite. I want to give you a little comic relief before we dive into some pretty rough stuff. True story, a, a little girl had been going to church, and she's about five or six. She was in big church one Sunday morning, and she heard a story like this or about Mary, and the word virgin was used. And they got home that day, and she came to her mama, and she said, Mama, what is a virgin? And, you know, that's tough. But, you know, the mama said, well, I've got to address it with her. So she spent about 10 minutes explaining to her literally what this word here meant. meant like Mary, it meant a woman or, or a woman here or a virgin would be a man who's never had sexual relations. She explained it all. And, and after she finished, the little girl's just looking at her puzzle. She said, no, 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 Mama, I'm talking about the King James Virgin. What is that? <laughs> That's a Bible. <laughs> okay. You ready for this? Is this, not, is this story not incredible? I mean, if you're editing the Bible to keep it to where people will like to read it, they should have edited this out. Amen? See, stuff like this proves C.S. Lewis became a Christian in part because he said as he read the Bible, he said, you don't put stuff like this in here unless it's true. Isn't that great? They're not trying to cover anything up. So let me give you, let me give you the possibilities here of, of what this was talking about. Okay. One is the possibility that, that this literally means what it says it means. And that when he came back after this, he saw his daughter. He had made the vow to God that... First thing he saw, he was going to offer us a burnt offering. Now, 250 times in the Bible, burnt offerings are mentioned. It's never mentioned figuratively. It's always literally. So it is possible, very possible, that she was literally a sacrifice, uh, his idea of a sacrifice to God. And we'll correct some of that in a, a little bit. So stay with us. There's also a very real possibility that she was not sacrificed as in killed, but that she was given over to the priest and the tabernacle basically to serve as a servant 
at the tabernacle for the rest of her life, never to marry, always to remain a virgin. Now, in, in, uh, let, let me look in my notes because my mind is getting old and I've been working all day so I can make sure I give you these references right. Uh, some of these you can just write down and you can look them up later. In Exodus 33, verse 8, it talks about women serving at the, uh, at the tabernacle. In 1 Samuel 2, 2, it talks about little Samuel's mom giving him to God, turning him over to the, the temple where he served as an assistant to the, the priest, and basically was under the service to God for the rest of his life. She would never marry for a Jewish girl. Of course, she wasn't going to marry if she was killed either. For a Jewish girl on this day, the highest aspiration was to marry and to have kids. So to be, to be obviously killed young would have been terrible, but also to, you know, to volunteer your daughter to work at the church altar for the rest of her life never to marry was also a huge sacrifice. So uh, there really is uh, those two possibilities there. Now it talks about in verse 40 that there being a Jewish custom where they went out, the girls go out. This is never mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. So a lot of scholars think that this was probably more of a localized custom than it was, uh, you know, obviously something done Uh, on a national level. Now, if you're taking notes and you're really interested in studying this, I'm going to give you a source. Uh, The Holman, there's a a commentary set. Commentaries are study books of the Bible called the Holman Bible Commentaries. And the Old Testament Holman Bible Commentaries, in fact, we have some in our church library. By the way, this one happens to be in Clayton's office. I saw it earlier today. But it's the, the Judges and Ruth uh, book, Judges and Ruth, and I'll even give you the pages, page 184 and 185. The scholar does a tremendous job of making a case for this being a figurative offering instead of a literal. In other words, that she didn't die, but that she was given over to, uh, given over to the temple. Now, let me say this. Uh, what do I think? I, I hope that it was a figurative sacrifice and that she was given over to the temple. My fear is the wording of this text is that she was literally sacrificed. So always remember the Bible tells us two types of things often. Some are descriptive, some are prescriptive. This is descriptive. It describes what happened. It is not prescribing what you should do. Are you following me? When it says that David committed adultery and had Bathsheba's husband killed, that's not, hey, man, wow. Uh, the Bible says I could. No, the Bible's not telling you to do that. It's describing it. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, that was describing something that we are prescribed to do. Does that make sense? So this is descriptive. I, I'm afraid that he probably sacrificed her. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you several thoughts Eight, in fact, if you can handle that, and we'll try to run through these quick. I looked at all my notes today, and I thought, I'm going to kill y'all and me before it's over. But I promise we will not be here too long. I want to give you some things that come out of this. Number one, know the Word of God. Know the Word of God. See, Jephthah obviously did not know his Bible as we should. This is very, 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 very important. Deuteronomy 12, 31 you must not worship the Lord your God in their way because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their God. Deuteronomy 18.10. 
Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son and daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft. And then let's go to Jeremiah 32, 35. Listen to this. They built, talking about the bad people, high places for Baal in the valley of Ben-Hanam, that's in Jerusalem, to sacrifice their sons and daughters to Moloch. Though I never commanded, nor did it enter my mind that you should do such a detestable thing to make uh, Judah sin. So listen, this is super important. What he did was not God's will. Either way, if he volunteered his daughter for a lifetime of servitude at the tabernacle, or if he killed her, it wasn't God's will. You've got to know what God's Word says to know His will, correct? Know what the Word of God says. If he would have known his Old Testament a little bit, he would have known that's not, you don't do that. Adam and Eve, everybody in here is mom and daddy. Adam and Eve messed up in Genesis 3 because they weren't clear on what God had told them. Know the Word of God. How do you, how do you mess up? You mess up when you don't do things God's way. Number, listen, we, sometimes we know too much about our, our own theories and beliefs. Know the Word of God. Shut the TV off. Read your Bible more. Shut your computer down. Read the Bible more. Be in church as much as you can. Know the Word of God. Here's the second thing. Guardeth thy biggest moutheth. Don't you know that this guy spent a lot of time in, in deep regret in the days ahead. Verse 31, he says, Whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be sacrificed as a burnt offering to the Lord. Now, this may sound strange, but the, the, the word house there and in this era, the domestic house, had places for animals. Maybe he was thinking about an animal coming out to greet him. I don't know, but... But what a dumb thing. A dumb thing to say. Don't you guard your mouth. How many of you have problems with your mouth? Every one of you do. So we pray about it. We ask God to help us. You know, this is an interesting thing. We don't have to say everything we think, do we? <laughs> Just because it crosses your small brain doesn't mean it has to come out of your big mouth, right? Guard your mouth. Here's the third thing. Sincerity doesn't make it right. Hey, he was extremely sincere in his vow. He was sincerely uh, sincere in what he did. How many of you agree he was sincerely wrong? Write these scriptures down if you're taking notes. Proverbs 19.2 and Romans 10.2. They tell us zeal without knowledge is not good. In other words, you can be fired up, enthusiastic, and sincere and be sincerely wrong. Think about that. You can be sincere and sincerely wrong. Listen, I want to tell you, there's people every day that die and go to hell who were sincere about their religion, but they were sincerely wrong. And, and, and watch this. Oh, but my heart's right. My heart's right. Listen, if you shoot me with a bow and arrow and the arrow sticks in my head, I don't care how right your heart is. I've got an error in my head. <laughs> Correct? 
The sincere heart thing is good as long as it's you with a sincere heart, not you with the error in your head. Sincerity doesn't make it right. Here's the fourth thing. Wrong is always wrong. Wrong is always wrong. He made a wrong promise, and he did a wrong thing. The end does not justify the means in God's economy. Well, this is a right thing. We may have to cheat, manipulate, steal, and lie to see it happen. That's not right. In some cases, we could say the end doesn't justify the meanness, does it? Wrong is always wrong. Number five, don't make commitments that cost you nothing. Boy, this is a big one. Think about this. Verse 31. Whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return, I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering to the Lord. What, what, if, what if an innocent servant would have come out? What if the neighbor's kid was over and would have come out? His only child. His only child. And their legacy and their, the extension of their family then was huge. It is, is killed. Hey, Jetha, why didn't you say, if God gives me the victory, I'll cut my own arm off, amen? <laughs> or I'll jump on the sacrificial, <laughs> sacrificial fire. Don't you love it when someone commits you to something that costs you a lot and costs them nothing? It, doesn't, it really doesn't happen here, but it's, it's happened to me in other places. Well, the church will be glad to participate in that. And that means me <laughs> a lot of times. Yes, the, the, the church would love to come at midnight and, and pray for the new city bell that's being installed with the, the light at night. And uh, the pastor will be up here at midnight to pray for that. Don't, don't, com- don't make commitments for other people that's gonna, that cost you nothing. A great verse is in 2 Samuel twenty four twenty four. But the king replied to Aaron, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice the Lord my God, burn offerings that what? Cost me nothing. Don't make commitments that cost you nothing. Number six, don't blame others for your wrongs. Isn't this good? Look at, listen to verse 35. Jephthah, he, he just, he's not doing well as a dad. When he saw her, his only daughter, he tore his clothes and he cried, Oh, my daughter, you have made me miserable and wretched. She should have said, me make you. You open your big yap and I'm going to get burned on the fire and I have made you miserable. It wasn't her, was it her fault? No. You know, it's, it's the alcoholic who, who, who drinks and, and says, well, if you just didn't behave the way you behave, I wouldn't drink. Or the abusive spouse who abuses their, their wife and, and says, well, well if, you, if you didn't behave that way, I wouldn't hit you. Yeah, you, you wouldn't hit her if it was a grown man your size is, is the truth. Own your own junk, Amen. Own your own junk. Number seven, two wrongs don't make a right. Two wrongs don't make a right. I make a bad promise. Oop, I'll make it right by killing my daughter. <laughs> two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> there was a guy, there was a guy that, that I, 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 helped, uh, I helped him come to the Lord, and he was coming from a really bad background, and he was, but he was very sincere, and he was earnest about Jesus. And he, he read in Matthew 5 or 6 where it says, you know, if you lust in your heart, that's like committing adultery. And here's what he said to him. Well, I've been thinking, and I might as well do it. 
No. <laughs> two, two wrongs don't make a right. Okay? And, and the last thing here is when you mess up, get it right quickly. Here's a, when you mess up, get it right quickly. In Leviticus 27, verse 1 through 8, it tells how that basically you could redeem a person with money to God. In other words, let's say, let's say Greg Smith decides he wants to sacrifice Carla on the altar. We talk him out of it. And so we say, well, Greg, you made a vow to God, so you got to pay $10,000 to God for that vow. That, literally, that's kind of how it works. So, again, if he'd have known his Bible, he would have known he didn't have to do this. In 1 Samuel 14, there's a great story where King Saul opens his big fat yap, and he says, if any of the soldiers eat anything, I'm going to kill them. And, well, his son, Jonathan, doesn't hear that. He eats something. Saul's going to kill him. You know what? The other soldiers step in and say, no, this is wrong. You see, what Jephthah should have done is he should have, he should have confessed to God that he had sinned, done what he needed to do to make up for that, that sin and for that offering. When you're in a hole, it's not going to get better if you keep digging, right? Confess it and get it right. So tonight, I would just ask you, what, what is your trajectory right now? Are you, are, you living, are you living towards victory or towards failure? Are you, are you doing it God's way? Or are you, you doing it your way? You've got a choice, a great choice right now that, that you can turn from it. You can, you can make a right choice. So here's what we'll give you three options. If you're, not, if you're not a Christian or you're unsure, when we give the invitation, you step out and you come tonight and cross that line with Jesus. You're here tonight. You'd like to join our church. You need a church family. A church family can help you Know the Word of God and to stay under God. Come tonight and join us. One way you can do that when we stand, come. We'd love for you to. You're a Christian here this evening. Is your life under God's? Are there things you need to repent of? Maybe it'll be where you're standing. Maybe you want to come to the altar, pray with the minister, or just get on your knees and pray to God. But let's stand. And whatever you need to do, To put yourself in a right spot with Christ, you come and do that this evening.